Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. It's July 2020, and we're still in COVID-19 quarantine, so we join each other via Zoom to bring you another lockdown listener request. Our mysterious listener, Nathan, writes, Hello, gents. I'm a new listener. Love the show. I'm an OTR fan and a theater director who has adapted many OTR programs for the stage. Have you heard the CBC program Vanishing Point? It's like a Canadian Twilight Zone, but on the radio. Nathan went on to recommend the second episode of the series, Disappearance, written by Canadian novelist, poet, short story writer, and translator David Helwig. Vanishing Point was the follow-up to CBC Radio's wildly successful horror anthology series, Nightfall. Unlike its predecessor, Vanishing Point featured stories from a wide array of genres, including psychological thrillers, science fiction, horror, and even comedy. Some of the scripts, such as Disappearance, were original works written for the series. Others were audio adaptations of classic and contemporary literature. Vanishing Point debuted in Canada October 5th, 1984, with an episode entitled The Testing of Stanley Teagarden, and ran for two years before taking a hiatus during the summer of 1986. Vanishing Point returned in the fall with a new format. Instead of an anthology of standalone stories, the program became an umbrella title for multi-part mini-series and thematically linked stories. This version of Vanishing Point ran through January of 1993. And now, let's listen to Disappearance from Vanishing Point. First broadcast, October 12th, 1984. It's late at night and a chill has set in. You're alone and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker, listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Roger has heard it all. He's a bartender. People like to talk to Roger, tell him what's on their mind. Memories pile up minute by minute, one on top of the other, turning the mind into trash heap, reducing the experience of now to, well, to just another memory. Is that all there is? Oh, to let go. What harm could there possibly be in that? guy never comes to meet you anymore. Who? Well, the quiet one who used to come in just for closing time and order tomato juice. Nope. You lost interest, or did he... It was a little bit more complicated than that. And not my business. Right. You want me to check the doors? No, I'll do it. Oh, I'll rinse those glasses for you. Oh, thanks. Go out the back or uh, front? Uh, front. Me too. Can I give you a ride home? Oh, Okay. 
I've been wondering about you ever since I started working there. Wondering how? Well, I don't know exactly. You look at some people and you get interested in what's happening inside them. And besides that, you're pretty. It's just an effect of the light. I like the effect of the light. <laughs> Do you? Yes. Do you want me to go? Yes, I guess so. Can I come back? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. This isn't really my kind of thing. Uh, men and... You mean... Other women? <laughs> no. That's not what I mean. <laughs> I don't understand. Oh, maybe sometime I'll try to explain. Okay. <laughs> You're sure you want me to go? Yes. Mm -hmm. Ah, that was a good dinner. Well, you could come more often. Oh, you see more of me than most mothers see of their sons. <gasps> Be careful. Oh. oh, clean it up. Oh, that was one of the good ones. Oh, a cup's a cup, mother. Oh, that's English-born China. Not anymore, it isn't. Don't you have any feeling about it at all? Well, it's a thing, Mother. It's a cup. You have other cups. If it was your last cup, then it might be important. Well, these things matter to me. I know. Now, I've been thinking about the good silver. Now, when I'm away sometime, a thief could break in here, and that good silver I got from your grandmother would be the first thing he'd take. You're going to build a vault for it? Well, I put it in the trunk of the car. What? Well, they'd never think to look there. And they'd have a hard time breaking in. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Well, it's not as ridiculous as losing that good silver. Well, what would happen if you didn't have that silver? You never use it. Well, things aren't important just because you use them. Well, things aren't important at all. Some things are. Like what? Mm -hmm. Like that silver. Why? I don't know. It's just because it is. Well, you don't own that silver, Mother. It owns you. The silver cries out that it's threatened, and you leap to defend it. <laughs> you do say such silly things. <laughs> Here, now, help me finish these dishes. Can I get another of these? Yeah, bark and Please. I should probably go home, shouldn't I? That's really up to you. Free drop, please, Roger. Okay. Watkins. I think I want to go home. Here's your three drops, Linda. Thanks. Why don't you want to go home? Because I go home every night. And he's always waiting there. Or, you know, I get home first and I'm waiting for him. Well, not that there's anything wrong with him. And, What's the trouble? Do you live with somebody? No. Well, not right now. To Roy and I some scotch straight up. Okay. Uh, if you see Jerry, tell him we're short of ice. Okay. So you don't live with anybody. You don't have somebody waiting for you and expecting you. you the same old face you see every day and until you can't tell whether you're looking at his face or, or your own. Well, maybe you should leave. That's what I keep thinking. But it doesn't seem to make much sense. I mean, uh, he's a nice guy. So what's wrong? Yeah, that's what my friends say to him. And I say it's um, just like Mount Everest. I mean, he's always there. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
comedia. You got all the tables done? Yeah. I'll help you with those glasses. Nah, it's okay. Sit down and rest your feet. Is Jerry coming back? No. He asked me to lock up. Oh, it was a pretty big night, wasn't it? It's funny to watch people drink. Yeah. The more I see people drink, the less likely I am to start. You ever wonder why they do it? It creates the illusion of freedom. Hmm. I was talking to a woman at the bar tonight who was trying to explain... Why she didn't want to go home to some perfectly nice man. Did you understand? In a way. You want to ride home? I guess. Well, I'm done here. You ready? Yep. Oh, nice night. Isn't it? Hey. My car's gone. I parked it right here. I'm sure I did. Usually you park around the corner. And that's why I remember I can never get a place this close. <laughs> it's not here anymore. That's a legal parking place. No reason for the cops to move it. Somebody must have stolen it. It's certainly gone. Well, what am I going to do? I guess you'll have to walk home. Now, are you sure that's where you left it? Yes, I am. I drove to work, and when I came out, it was gone. You finished work at 1.30 in the morning? I'm a bartender. You drink while you're at work? No. I was cold sober, and I was with a friend, and she was cold sober, too. Did you look around the neighborhood? Sometimes people forget where they park. Yes, I thought of that. Just in case, I checked all the streets where I normally park. Okay, uh, I'll put a report in. See if it shows up on the computer. Look, there isn't any chance that you people towed it away for some reason. It was a legal parking place, but you never know. We don't just tow cars away for no reason. Well, maybe there was some reason that I don't know about. If we've got it, it'll show up on the computer. I keep seeing the car on the street, but it's never mine. Why do you let it bother you? I don't know. Is it really very important? Oh, I guess it must be. Why? That's what I said to my mother just last week. She was worrying about her broken cup and somebody stealing her silver. And now I'm doing the same thing. Do you really need the car? No. Maybe I'm better off without it. Have you ever noticed how nobody talks about the soul anymore? Well, what's that got to do with it? Well, isn't that what you were talking to your mother about? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Mm. You always look to me like a man who wanted to let go of a lot of things he was tangled up in. It's nice talking to you like this. Good. Well, it's late. Yeah. Maybe I should go. Probably. You want me to go? Yeah. You got the paychecks in here, Jerry? Yeah. Here you go. Uh, thanks. Every week when I give you your check, I expect you to tell me you're quitting. Why? Eh, it's kind of a dead-end job, bartending. I mean, you look like somebody who'd want something better. Oh, I like it okay. Gives me time to think. Think? <laughs> What's to think about? Oh, all kinds of things. Yesterday I was looking at a diary I used to keep. 
And I wrote about how I used to go to the zoo every week. And every time I'd see this one animal, how it walked back and forth in its cage. And, and I started to think how most people's lives are like that, except the cage is a bit bigger. See, they go to work, they come home, they go to sleep, they get up. Look, it's simple, Roger. You try to do something with your life. Get out of the cage. Now, that doesn't seem to be what I'm looking for. But that's all there is. I mean, you look around. And you see what kind of chances there are. And you grab for them. If you don't, you're... Well, it's like you say, you're just a monkey in a zoo. But ambition makes you a monkey who keeps learning new tricks. That's all there is. Old tricks and uh, new tricks. No, 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 there's, there's more than that. There's something inside the soul. <laughs> Come on. I don't even know what the word means. Tom MacArthur's getting married. To who? That Robertson girl you knew in high school. I don't remember any Robertson girl. Oh, don't be ridiculous. I think you even went out with her a couple of times. I don't remember that. Well, anyway, she went away after high school, and then she got a job here and moved back. Hmm. And she's marrying Tom MacArthur, whoever he is. Now, you're not going to tell me you don't remember Tom MacArthur. Yes, I remember Tom MacArthur. Though I don't know why. Well, I better get going. By the time I catch my bus and get home, it'll be late. Well, why didn't you drive? Is there something wrong with your car? It's gone. What do you mean, it's gone? Stolen, I guess. I came out of work a few nights ago and it wasn't there. Well, I suppose you left the keys in it. No, of course not. Well, how else could they steal it? I don't know. Hotwire it, I guess. Did you go to the police? Yes. Yeah. Well, maybe they can find it. Well, they don't seem very hopeful. What about insurance? Uh, I just had liability insurance. That won't replace the car. That's terrible. Well, I find I can get along fine without it. Oh, that's not the point. Yeah, what is? Your car, just gone like that, just disappeared. Oh, I hardly think about it anymore. I can't even think what it was like to have a car. Roger, you're late. I know, I'm sorry. The other guy had to go, so I had to run the bar and everything else, too. I got lost. I mean, you've been finding your way to work for months. How come you get lost now? I don't know. Maybe because I was walking instead of driving. There's a big apartment building where I always turn, but I couldn't find it. And the next thing I knew, I was in a, a bunch of streets that didn't make any sense. I was just wandering. Places I'd never seen before. Finally, I had to ask someone for directions. <laughs> Roger. <laughs> I mean, next time you're late, try the sick friend routine. It, it makes more sense. It's true, Jerry. I got lost. Well, <laughs> why don't you get lost behind the bar for a while? You want to walk across the park? Isn't that out of your way? Not much. I should be careful I don't get lost again. You can always ask directions. It's funny how that building seemed to disappear. Yes. Things are changing somehow. I seem to be forgetting a lot. Maybe you're only forgetting what you don't need. Do you think so? Sometimes I think that our minds get more and more full of the past until there's no room for things to happen. And nothing does. So 
we have to forget things before anything new can happen. You you have to have a, a kind of amnesia. Then you can be totally present in every moment. A saint. No memory, no plan. That's right. Where did you learn these things? They're just things I've worked out. Reading, thinking. It's nice to have something cooked for me for a change. I've been looking around your apartment. Seems awfully bare. Well, I've been clearing things out. I want to get down to the things I need. Roger, where are you getting these strange ideas? Um, from Linda, I guess. Who is this Linda? A friend. Is it serious? Well, yes, but not in the way you think. She teaches me things. Mm, I can imagine. There are things in the world besides sex, Mother. So what does she teach you? About what's inside me. <laughs> I've never been convinced that there was anything inside me, but a lot of soft plumbing. Inside the mind. Where's that picture of you in your scout uniform? The one I always liked. Well, I got rid of it. Why? There's no point in living in the past. <clears throat> You want to pour me about 27 more whiskeys? How about starting with one? I'll drink to that. There you go. Thanks. Thanks. I'm trying to work up my courage. Yeah? Yeah. Get out. Don't run away. From what? Everything. Job, house, lot. See, I have this idea that I'd go to the Ark and spend the winter there. All on my own. Have you ever done that kind of thing before? Oh, sure. I've been out there before. Wilderness camping, that kind of thing. <laughs> out there, you know what's real. Isn't it possible to do that right here? I don't see how. Just let it all go. Make it not be. I never went in for magic tricks. <laughs> well, it's only there if you let it be. That's what a friend of mine says. Hey, the only way it's not there is if I get on a plane and fly it. Excuse me, excuse me. Um, do you know this neighborhood? Yes, I do. Is there a record store somewhere near here? I don't think so. No, I'm sure there is. I I bought a record there just last week. It was it was right beside the florists. I've lived around here for ten years, and there was never a record store beside the florists. I was there just last week. You must be confused. Are you still keeping your silver in the trunk of your car? Make fun of me all you like. I still think it's a good idea. Come and look at these photographs. That whole pile? No, just these. Where were they taken? <laughs> I'm not the person to ask. Well, you were there. Oh, there you are in the picture, making faces. Photographs are funny things, aren't they? Well, what do you mean? Well, here are all these funny little gray and white things. And we assume... They show us something that really happened. Well, of course they do. Now, try and remember where this was. I won't remember. Forgetfulness is more my style these days. What do you mean? Things are disappearing. 
Like what? Yesterday I was looking for a record store. I was in it last week, right beside a florist shop. I talked to a woman who lived nearby, and she was so positive that I was wrong. It was quite funny. Roger, do you think you should talk to someone? Why should I do that? Well, this business of forgetting and things disappearing. Well, that's only happening because I want it to. I think you should stop talking to that girl, that Linda. Why? She's the one who's doing these things to you. But I feel good. Everything I see is brighter than it ever was before. Everything I hear is clearer. I'm frightened for you. Is it dangerous? You have to decide that. I can't tell you. My mother's terrified. But anyone who locks their silver in the trunk of the car must already be terrified. Yeah, I suppose. Are you frightened? Sometimes I wonder what's going to happen. Do you want to control it? Maybe. And then you end up back where you started. Well, can't you stop halfway? I guess you can try. Excuse me, may I help you? I'm looking for a recording of Mahler's Tenth Symphony. Ten. That's right. But he only wrote nine. He wrote ten. Nine. Beethoven, Mahler, and Bruckner. They all wrote nine. I had a recording of Mahler's Tenth. It got damaged. I had to throw it out. It must have been the ninth. There's no Tenth Symphony. I'm sure I had a record of it. A symphony can't just disappear, can it? Things have been, you know. Have been what? Disappearing. Really? You got a minute, Jerry? Sure. I wondered if you could work the schedule so that I could get a couple of days off. Well, it won't be easy. What do you need time off for? Uh, I don't know if I can explain it. I'm not sick or anything. I just feel kind of shaky. Like how? I can't explain it. It's just. Something strange is happening to me. Maybe you should talk to somebody. Yeah, maybe.、Uh, is Linda coming in today? No, no, she she's off. Has this got something to do with her? Sort of. Is she pregnant? <laughs> no, it's nothing like that. But I think she'd be a good person to talk to. She seems to understand.、Uh, this problem is is it kind of personal? In a way. Look, Roger, is this? I mean, do you feel you're gay, something like that? <laughs> no, it's nothing like that, Jerry. It's it's not that kind of thing. Not like that. You don't sound very good, Roger. I'll be okay. I'll, I'll, I'll fix the schedule for you. Take it a couple of days. Find somebody. Maybe, maybe talk it out. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Young was different, huh? It just seemed easier. You weren't so tangled up in all the parts of your life. And maybe it was just the '60s. All that talk about revolution. We all assumed that the inside and the outside fitted together. Yeah. I've been going to an analyst, a Jungian, and that's what I've been trying to do: is find the key that let me find what's really going on inside me. Excuse me. What? I was listening to what you were saying. I know I shouldn't have been. Let's move to a different. Yeah. I I just want you to know that what you're saying, what you're talking about, 
It's dangerous, you know. Why don't we get off of this stuff? Do you live here? Yes. Well, I'm looking for someone. Who is it you want? Her name's Linda. I need to talk to her. I, I think there's something missing in what I've learned. It doesn't seem to be working out right. Is she some sort of uh, therapist? Oh, no, she's just a friend. See, I've been losing things. Or forgetting. Or I don't know which. What's your name? Well, does it matter? No, I guess not. Have you lived here very long? Three years. Then you probably know her. Which apartment is she in? The basement. There's no apartment in the basement. Just the furnace and a laundry room. I was there with her. I'm sure I was. It must have been a different house. There aren't any other big brick houses on this street. Just apartment buildings. She didn't live in one of those? No. You remember being here? Yes. But there's nobody named Linda living here. There never has been in the time that I lived in the house. Well... Maybe I made a mistake. We work at the same place. I can see you there. Hi. I've never seen you before. I just started here. Well, I work here too, but I've been taking a couple of days off. Oh. Well, can I get you something? Uh, draft, I guess. When did you start? Oh, just today. Is Linda here? Oh, I don't know any Linda. Well, she works here, too. Oh, I haven't met her. I guess she's not in today. Things are disappearing. What? Well, it's something happening to me. It's, it's nice, in a way. Like, when I look at your face, it's as if there was a special light on it. It's as if I never saw a face before, and I, I didn't know what it was. So I can really concentrate. Yeah? yeah Linda taught me how to do it, how to let go how i don't know really uh, in a way it just started to happen i don't think i really follow what you're talking about oh, would you do me a favor would you go and check on the schedule and see when linda's working sure is jerry in no <laughs> Uh -huh. I looked at the schedule. Is Linda working tomorrow? There's no Linda on the schedule. What about me? My name's Roger. When do I start back? Well, there's no Roger there either. Oh, I see. Well, uh, thanks for looking. I guess I better go. Yes? Roger, I've been worried about you. Why? You didn't come for dinner. Was I supposed to? On Wednesday, you always do. Do I? What's the matter with you? Is something the matter with me? You're looking at me so strangely. Oh, I'm sorry. I hope I'm not being rude. It's just that I'm wondering why you came to my door. I came looking for you. Do I know you? Roger. Yes? I'm your mother. You must remember me. I'm your mother. Ah, well, now that you've told me, maybe I'll remember you. Roger, you've got to get help. 
Well, I don't need any help, but I'm going out now. Maybe you could visit some other time. Who did you say you were? Roger! What is it? It's a streetcar. And and what's that? What? What is what is it? A store. And that. What is it? Hey, is, is this a joke from a, a radio station or something? No, no, but what is it? It's a bicycle. Hey, you're, you're serious, aren't you? Like this isn't a joke. What's a joke? You're crazy. I'm not crazy. Yeah, what are you then? I am what I am. What? I'm kind of a saint. There's nothing in my mind but pure being. Nothing else at all. all right and turning around it was gone he was free at last of the dreadful captivity of things memories he'd have to tell Linda about it sometime if he could find her out here out here where everything is so much brighter and clearer and vanishing Disappearance by David Helwig. Featured in the cast were Jeffrey Bowes as Roger and Susan Hogan as Linda, with Doris Petrie as Roger's mother Lois and Sean McCann as his boss Jerry. You also heard Elva May Hoover, Francine Volker, John Stalker, and Ray Landry in a variety of roles. Technical operations were by John McCarthy, with sound effects by Stephanie McKenna, and the production assistant was Nancy McElveen. Original music was composed and arranged by John Roby. The casting consultant was Anne Tate with Catherine Castor. The series script editor for Vanishing Point is Sandra Rabinovich. The voice of introduction is David Calderisi, and the original musical theme for the series is by John Roby. Disappearance was produced at Studio G in Toronto by series executive producer William Lane. That was Disappearance from the CBC program, Vanishing Point, here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. Well, let's start with Vanishing Point as a series. Have either one of you delved into any more than this episode? No. I've listened to at least 15 or 16 episodes because it was something I was looking for an episode to bring to the podcast a while ago, and I had a short list, but then Nathan's listener request popped up uh and disappearance was on my list of possibilities to bring to the podcast so i stopped listening then knowing we would get to it 15 or 16 i can barely listen to the ones you guys send me for this podcast (laughs) honestly 
Eric, I've been to your house. You have TV on in the background constantly. That's my opinion of you and TV. Like, how could you consume and have TV on that much? How could you watch that many episodes of Law & Order? Radio is that thing I can listen to while I'm doing laundry, riding a bike. I'm just Sleeping. bragging about all the skills I have. <laughs> laundry washing, bike riding. I think that's very true that listening to a radio drama, I have to be focused. If I'm doing other things, I lose track of what's happening. But television, I can have on in the background and follow. So that's interesting. I have to be 100% in a room alone. No, don't visualize or make sure. <laughs> but I have to be focused to listen. What are you doing in there, Eric? <laughs> I'm listening to <laughs> Vanishing Point. I swear to God. <laughs> All right, boys. We've danced around this long enough. What do you guys think of Vanishing Point? <laughs> Okay, I'll start it. I am always worried about contemporary pieces. And it's funny we say contemporary because that's a long time ago in 1984, but in comparison to what we usually talk about on the show. So when we, when we end up with contemporary pieces of old time radio, I go in with the attitude of I'm going to hate this and it sounds too modern and doesn't sound good. And I absolutely got blown away by this. The formulaic old time radio drama things aren't all in place and it has a much different storytelling style than we're used to and all of those things and none of it bothered me. I really enjoyed this. Other than some moments, uh, there was some music from the TV show Diagnosis Murder, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> they changed musical styles for every moment of incidental music. Yeah. You know, it's, at the top, it has this 80s jazz music, and then it starts to sound a little like 80s Doctor Who incidental music, and then it goes to uh, some of uh, Nightfall's porn guitar and then you're like what's going on but clearly that was a style in uh, this canadian radio at the time used every track on that cassette of generic <laughs> incidental music yes. yeah i will say however that i was getting the feeling that they were going for upbeat rock and roll and or dancey kind of style when they went to the bar i think we were supposed to feel like that wasn't transitional music that that was the music playing in the bar or at least establishing the scene. Yeah, the, yeah, there was one that was definitely like, this is blues-ish. Ish. That's, <laughs> that's what Famous Dave should call itself. <laughs> <laughs> I had a different journey with Vanishing Point than you did. Um, the first few scenes, I, I started to lose faith. Like, oh, this is just little tiny vignettes that, don't really go anywhere and it has too many of these little establishing details of yeah you're in a bar you can stop adding characters saying lines that were in a bar and then pretty quickly like once they got to his car disappearing and they start talking about the soul i started thinking this reminds me of something and i don't know if either of you be familiar with it ken nordine's word jazz mm -hmm. i know all those words <laughs> <laughs> um, so after I listened to this, I went and listened to some more word jazz. The comparison might be a little thin, but it's just these strange, surreal little stories that I love. I totally fell in love with word jazz uh, when I was listening to it a million years ago. And the, the story went that direction, too. It became this surreal, interesting, intellectual pursuit that had a, a, just a wonderful sort of mystery to it and a wonderful 
philosophy and it totally picked me up and carried me away. I loved it. I just want to jump in and say the short, quick vignette scenes in the beginning of this, I wasn't on board. I was, uh, what is happening? Until I realized that was what this whole thing was, that it was being expertly told the story mm-hmm. that way. And the idea that I'm not being beaten over the head with all the information I need to know what's going on. It is just loosely, very slowly being handed to me pieces of information of what's going on. And I really enjoyed the process. Usually that would drive me crazy. Tell me who these people are. What are their names? Where are we? And what's going on? What's the (laughs) conflict? So I can get to the resolution. Where are the dog-headed people? Right. (laughs) But in this case, it was fed to me in a way where I I remained interested. I liked the characters. I remained invested in the characters. And I wanted to know more. And they gave me enough each scene for me to pique my interest. Go, what's going on? What's going on? I came yeah, on I board. totally agree with that. And it just, it's remarkable what a slow burn pace they've been able to maintain in a really short little story. Yeah, the pace of it seems slow, but when you go back and listen a second time, you realize it's not that slow. I think because the writer is very sly about giving you the information. It sometimes takes you two to three scenes before you realize you've received significant information in a previous scene. It feels almost choreographed the way it moves from not just scene to scene, but from philosophical conversation to philosophical conversation until like both a story is constructed, but also an argument is being constructed. And whether this is a sinister argument being constructed to make him vanish from existence, or if it is a really legit philosophical ideal to achieve is sort of left to us to decide. Had he reached enlightenment or hell at the end yeah enlightenment by the way (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't that be great just to walk around like what's that i would just be so happy not to worry about stuff (laughs) so yeah i agree with that joshua so much the unfolding of this was so fascinating like just the woman what's her name linda yeah Mm -hmm. linda the woman you know, she's just a woman that she, he works with at the bar and then just dropping all these weird little things here and there. And then the other idea, did Linda even ever actually exist? Is- and that's really interesting what he forgets and seems to drop out of existence and what things he forgets but still exist. Like his mother still exists even though he starts to forget her. And does she still exist because he's just in the early phases of forgetting her? Will she cease to exist? Or does she have some special protection that Mahler's 10th symphony (laughs) does not? By the way, I'm screaming at my computer while I'm listening to this. No, Mahler did 10 symphonies. (laughs) And then I went, oh, right. That's the premise. Right. (laughs) But I had a moment where I was like, are they idiots? Did they not? have an encyclopedia Britannica near them to look that up. He did <laughs> My ten- Googling on the topic, let me know that Mahler had a 10th unfinished symphony. Uh, if you really want to enjoy yourself, uh, the fourth movement from the fifth symphony is absolutely gorgeous. Oh, lovely. So there, go look that up. Unless it's been disappeared. Oh! <laughs> but that also it was a pleasant little memory of when Rachel was talking about her previous boyfriend disappeared of like, it seems so innocent at the time that later on, like, why is he gone? Did he like leave or did he vanish like her home and like everything about her and her herself? Yeah, I like the levels of this where unlike a few weeks ago where I didn't know there were levels going on in the show that we 
we're listening the deadly to, hour the deadly hour this one was just obviously like wow this could be a lot of different things going on but whatever the intent of the author was i like the idea that you can will away reality because reality is absolutely made up and only exists because we all agree to its existence of what's real and not real so if that is true then getting rid of it should be possible I mean, at the very least, refuse to acknowledge it. And at that point, it's <laughs> right. half a dozen one or the other of like, is it not real or are you just, it has no meaning for you? That would describe most actors we work with. <laughs> <laughs> one little detail that I loved was his, well, in general, I loved all the scenes with his mother. But that first scene when his mother is so concerned about the silver that she's taken to driving around with it in the trunk of her car where it's safe, in her opinion. And it's a really strange thing to do, yet it felt really real. It reminded me of my grandmother who bought fancy furniture and covered it in plastic, had yep. really expensive carpet, and then she zigzagged the carpet with plastic paths so that no human foot ever touched the actual carpet. Yep. So it was just absolutely pointless. You did not enjoy any of these things. <laughs> they gave you no comfort. You stuck to them uncomfortably because they were covered in plastic. <laughs> I think I like that because everybody's family, be it their mom or whoever, has odd things about them that they do and we accept them and someone else hears them. And they, they want to put the silverware in the trunk and you're going, yeah, that's my mom. And the other thing is what you just said, Joshua, is that I really glommed onto is the idea that so many people own things and don't know why and won't use them. This, by the way, is my entire argument and discussion for the phrase mint in box. <laughs> Nothing makes me crazier than an action figure stuck in a box for life. Get it out, put it on your desk and put it in horrifying, awkward positions. <laughs> I, uh, I visited my folks uh, in the last couple of years with the intent of I'm going to go through their house with them and all these little things that they have, talk to them and say, what is the story behind this so that I can know, like, is this something I should treasure or is this something that is just a meaningful souvenir you got for 50 cents and you don't really care about? And I tried to get them to tell me those stories, but they were countering it like, you tell us what you think is important and we'll tell you the story behind it. Like, if you, it's not important to you now, we don't want to suddenly make it important by some story. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was... That's a lot of pressure. It also makes some sense of... Yeah. If it doesn't mean anything to me, aside from the story my folks told me about it, then I'm just holding on for them. You know, you guys have been in our house, and we have a very eclectic style of decorating. Our house is a giant collage. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> but what I love about how we decorate is that you could look at it and say, this is a bunch of stuff creatively put up. It's not a garbage house full of stuff everywhere. I don't want to want to be clear, but what I love about it is you can point to anything. Everything that we own has a story and you can walk in and point something and we can't wait to tell you the story behind that thing. That's why it's up. And my wife and I, as we've made a living, telling stories. That's what we love about life. We love stories. So that's how we decorate. But I'm going to change that now to come in and point at something and you tell me the story. <laughs> <laughs> you make up a story about it. We'll turn it into an improv game. I think it says a lot about this episode and this script 
that the bulk of our conversation so far has been about our life and our thoughts and our feelings, not direct responses to the script, yep. which is different from what we usually discuss on the podcast. And I think that's a testimony to uh, the originality of this script. And I also think what's neat about it is that it still works, I think, within the structure of our show because it still follows a suspense structure. A man who gets in too deep and then begins to second guess. Has, has he gone too far? He starts to get nervous as, as he starts to forget things. He argues with his boss about we're all like the zoo. We're monkeys in a cage. And then he gets out of the cage and fears there's nothing outside the cage. Right. <laughs> and has, so it fulfills that structure, but is something else entirely in the end. And again, I love that we are left to sort of draw our own conclusion, pro or con. I mean, I think there's even an interpretation of this where it's a critique of dime store philosophy, of a philosopher who literally disappears up his own butt. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the horror aspect of it was part of what really appealed to me about this story of like, this is the monster in this is an idea. Once you think this idea, you can't unthink it and it's going to eat your life. I like that. It's interesting you brought up that it might be a critique of dime store philosophy, Joshua, because you either love the book Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance or you think it's dime store philosophy, right? It has detractors. And that book was really popular around this time. Uh, I remember every kid in my first years of college was reading it. I was taken by how many similarities there were between the philosophy he was talking about and Persig in Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance in the idea of what is quality. And if you think about it too long, everything disappears. I'm really oversimplifying it, but it's interesting you say that. It might actually be, for lack of a better description, a rip on certain philosophy. I think if I were more familiar with this author's body of work, we might be able to tease out more what his intention is, but I kind of like coming at it completely cold like this and letting it be open to various interpretations. There's also a strange through line here of sex, which we don't get into in old time radio a lot. But I love the first scene where he's clearly interested in a coworker, walks her home, ends up in her apartment. And they have that awkward exchange where she says, this really isn't my thing, you know, man. And he goes, oh, are you into women? <laughs> no. And it's a great scene because it's not until you're done with the whole thing that you realize when she says she's not into men, she's not into objects or reality and men are part of that it has nothing to do with sex and so it keeps coming up in a way that is inaccurate or people are seeing it where it doesn't exist he has the great line about not everything's about sex mother yeah <laughs> and uh jerry uh his boss is like uh, are, are you gay yeah are you calling out from work gay Well, he also asks, is she pregnant? You know, that that interaction with her where she's like, I don't think so. And her first time turning him down is kind of ambiguous. And the next time she's more definitive of no, Mm -hmm. which struck me as weird as if if she's sort of fading. It struck me as odd that she became more definitive in that than before. Well, I I would assume it just starts to mean less and less to you, those type of physical relations. She's beyond that now. She's not a monkey in the zoo anymore. (laughs) But, you know, once reality is made up and you can make it go away, then nothing holds any water. Why would you do anything? Except for the grand, amazing feeling of everything is brand new to you every second. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's just also the great idea of placing him in a bar as a bartender. And then we get all those great vignettes of him listening to various people in the bar. And that idea of, like Tim said, that the monster in here is an idea. And we have a bartender who all he does is listen. So he is a very vulnerable figure when it comes to a monster who is just ideas. That's all he hears drunkenly slurred at him. And there's that great, again, very authentic, uh, uh, someone who works with alcohol usually is turned off by it because they see everybody drink too much and make a fool of themselves. And I think Linda says alcohol gives you the illusion of freedom, which is another great foreshadow of where we're going. That's why I won't drink with Tim anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Makes you forget Mahler's 10th. As someone who has heard more episodes of Vanishing Point, how would you say this compares? Vanishing Point is a bizarre series. I can't think of another series that is more eclectic in its tone, genre, and style than this. Perhaps Quiet, Please. But, I mean, this thing, as I said in the opening, it does literary adaptations of classic literature. They have a really great adaptation of uh, How Love Came to Professor Gildia, which we have discussed, the escape version. They do a version of Yellow Wallpaper. Probably my favorite episode is A Small Good Thing, which is an adaptation of, I believe, uh, Raymond Carver's short story that was more contemporary at the time. And that is just a devastating story of loss. It is just a short piece of drama. It's not genre oriented at all. And there are some that are horror oriented in a way that I would say are maybe too horrific to bring to the podcast. So, I mean, you are all (laughs) over the map, but it's a fascinating series. And because of that, I think ultimately I would say more fail than succeed for me as I'm listening, but it's because they're reaching too far, which again is more impressive than the ones that are merely boring because they don't try to do anything. Awesome. I think the main problem with Vanishing Point for me is that they sometimes embrace that ambivalent ending to a degree that they merely don't have an ending. Do you think that the idea was making it that ambiguous is artsy? Maybe. I want this episode to cut off right here. Like this is the end of the podcast. I hate artsy stuff. I think this is rather artsy. This piece, or whatever positive term you want to use, complex, layered. Yeah, I'll start this week. I love this. Stands the test time for sure. I think it brought up great discussion. I cared about people. I was invested, and I was shocked by that. I won't say classic because you have to be younger than 1961 in order to be a radio show that's a classic because <laughs> I'm a, a snob. No, I don't know. I, I loved it. I definitely think it's a classic of Vanishing Point for sure. And it's the second episode. So I do think it sets some precedent for some of the style of stories Vanishing Point will go on to do. It stands the test of time and doesn't, but I think that's kind of what's impressive about it. It's very much of its time, yet the ideas transcend its time which is a hard thing to do. I think I'd also stop short of calling it a classic. Uh, It does fall victim to some of its eras, indulgences, but the script is so good. Uh, I think it stands the test of time. And it it snuck up on me and really made me happy. (laughs) I I shouldn't phrase it like that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, And like I said, it did remind me a little bit of word jazz and maybe for secret sometime i'm going to bring in an episode of word jazz and then you will find some artsy that you really hate oh let's do it sounds fun (laughs) 
All right, Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com, home of this podcast. Uh, you'll find other episodes there. It's a way to get a hold of us. If you have an episode you want us to listen to and say nice things about or say not nice things about, uh, you can send us a message. You can leave comments on episodes. You can link to our social media pages where you can get a hold of other people who are listeners and share ideas and talk and say how that we're totally wrong what we think. Don't say that. You can also go to patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast. Listen to all of our members only podcasts we have on there. We've got a lot of episodes now. We're up to 20, 30, 400 different. No, it's not that much. Uh, we have a lot of uh, podcasts you can listen to on there. Uh, the Secrets of the Mysterious Old Time Radio. We also have uh, Cliffhangers of Doom, Looking at Serials. So please check us out. And uh, if you're not able to support us right now, you could also for free write a glowing review on iTunes because that helps us out too. Thank you for however you support this podcast. If you want to see us perform old time radio shows, we do original works, we do adaptations, we sometimes recreate lost scripts the mysterious old radio listening society in conjunction with park square theater in st paul minnesota we do live recreations on stage however right now during the pandemic of july of 2020 we do not have the ability to be on stage so what we've been doing is recording old time radio shows original works mostly and then you can go to parksquaretheater.org, buy a ticket, and join us for the listening of these produced shows that we have put together. And then we hang out with you and we do a Q&A. Parksquaretheater.org, ghoulishdelights.com, or mysteriousoldradiolisteningsociety.com. Uh, and the next one coming up will be July 20th of 2020. And we will be doing an episode of Candy Matson, a lost episode, which the script exists, but the... Uh, Recording does not, and we're going to recreate that. And then, Tim, tell them about the show you wrote for this one. It's a, a fake series called The Minnesota Goodbye, uh, about a hard-boiled detective here in Minnesota solving crimes and trying to navigate Minnesota nice. <laughs> little too close to home. <laughs> What's coming up next? Next. We have another lockdown listener request. Uh, and this one is an episode of Lights Out called The Haunted Cell. Until then. Look out! It's late. Yeah. Maybe I should go. Probably. You want me to go? Yeah. Yeah.